What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mets Legends podcast. I'm Rob Pearsall. This is my host, Michael Jennings. And uh, we are recording in the aftermath of what was a disastrous, disheartening, disgusting game. Anything that starts with the prefix DIS uh, is how I felt about that game last night. <laughs> Any um, negative feeling you could possibly feel toward a single baseball game was felt yesterday. Yeah, uh, just one of the worst losses. Uh, I don't know, like like this year, definitely the worst loss. But oh, yeah. but in general, like just a really awful loss. Um, and the Mets, I mean, twice in one week, the Mets have been up you know, five runs or more in a game and against the Pirates who are really terrible and they can't hold the lead uh, and they end up blowing the game. Um, And I, it's just, you know, the frustrations right now, I think are kind of at an all time high. Yeah. And I think, you know, right now, just about anything that could go wrong in a Mets game against the Pirates seems to, Um, you know, when you look at, when you really look at like the individual moments that have been the sort of turning points over the past week, particularly like the Stallings grand slam, like it just defies any sort of like rational explanation, especially given the fact that the ball that he hit was like a foot inside. I don't even know how you humanly get out in front enough on a 99 mile an hour pitch to then keep it fair and put it out. I just, I don't get it. I didn't even know that was physically possible. <laughs> must've been the, uh, it must've been the breeze from the Allegheny river. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be a uh, stiff breeze from left to right. I don't know. Cause Edwin Diaz was saying that he really just thought it was a fly ball off the bat. And it, I mean, like it, it. Just, it just cleared the fence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shout out to Kevin Pillar for, for really doing the best that he could to, to try to bring that one back. I mean, the guy almost like fell into the crowd trying to try yeah. to rob. Him. Um, but even still, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't be playing tight games like that against the pirates. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Like, um, and, and until and, you know, the last, eighth, until the eighth yeah. or the seventh inning, like some of these games haven't even been close. Um, yeah. You know, blowing five run leads late in games, that's that's the backbreaker of it all. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, and the bullpen was as sure as they came earlier this season. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, you have to wonder if a lot of these guys were using spider tack um, or, I mean, they a lot of these guys might be tired. They might be kind of worn down because they've had such high volume usage. Mm-hmm so far this season um, well, I also, regardless yeah i mean i don't see how you can really make that case at this point having had all of them you know five plus days off uh yeah. with the all-star so, break so i mean going into the all-star break 100 percent. like the the four game set against the pirates it was very obvious that miguel castro was uh you know laboring um you know seth lugo still trying to figure himself out after having not started the season uh, healthy and 
I mean, Edwin Diaz, unfortunately, after having been so solid through all of 2020 and, and at the beginning of, of this season, um, you know, I think his, his save situation numbers have been amazing. Um, but, you know, lately it's been, it's been catastrophic for him. And, um, you know, I think, I think it, you know, each pitcher has their own, um, you know, things to deal with. It seems like with Diaz, it's gotta be something mechanical. He's missing in the same spots every time. Um, you know, with someone like Lugo, he just served up a few fat pitches. So, I mean, you'd expect that to kind of even out. Um, but, and with Castro, I mean, he's just gassed. He was just, he was just gassed. So it's a, it's an interesting time because they leaned on that bullpen so heavily. And with Jacob deGrom hurt, um, you know, kind of where do you go from here? Yeah. I mean, Tyler McGill is now your number two starter in this rotation. Um, and he's been great. He pitched yeah, a great game last night. Yeah, he's been great. And, I mean, the Mets are really lucky that, that he's come up and he's pitched so well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Taiwan Walker uh, is kind of going to have to lead the charge until the ground gets back. Um, Stroman has pitched okay, um, you know, but he didn't look great on Friday night. Yeah. Um, you know, he ended up rebounding and he didn't pitch terribly, but he didn't look great. Um, and then beyond that, it's kind of just like – on most days, you'll take, you know, two runs and in five innings from your starter. That's, that's a, to me, that's a perfectly average, uh, you know, outing. But, you know, when, when you have, a, when, when your bullpen starts to struggle, that's when you need to really rely on your starters to give you length and to give you quality. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Taiwan Walker is going to need to keep doing what he's been doing. That, that led to him being an all star. Um, and, you know, we can only hope that Jacob deGrom comes back uh, better than ever uh, yep. or as good as he was because I don't think he can get much better. <laughs> yeah, I know, of course. You know, hopefully Carlos Carrasco will be back at some point soon. Um, yeah. I don't know if they're, if they're planning to rehab him again in another start or if he's going to rejoin the team. He looked pretty good when he was with Brooklyn last week. Um, he only pitched a couple innings, though, didn't he? Yeah, he pitched a couple innings. So, that, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, they're going to have to work him back up. You know, he's yeah. not going to go there. He's not going to throw seven innings yeah. in a game. You know, so, I mean, I don't see – like, well, obviously they need him. Like, obviously they need him to come back. But mm-hmm. there's really no sense in risking him re-aggravating an injury or anything like that. Yeah. Um, then he's going to be out the whole year. Um, but, I mean, beyond – real realistically, like – there is nobody behind Tyler McGill right now. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's Corey Oswald's hurt. Jordan Yamamoto is hurt. Um, you have Jared Eikhoff who has been terrible mm-hmm. and literally beyond that. I don't know. Like, I don't know who else there is. Robert Stock, maybe Anthony Banda who they picked up. Uh, Robert wait. Stock get DFA'd though, or does he have options? Um, I think that, I think they optioned him. Okay. I don't think he got DFA. I think that he's still uh, he's still with the team in AAA. Okay. And they, they traded for Anthony Banda from the from the San Francisco Giants recently. But these these guys don't paint a rosy picture. I mean, mm-hmm. there's who you never know. I mean, you could have a guy come up and, and pitch well for a couple starts, and that's what they're going to need. Um, 
but the trade deadline is less than two weeks away now. It's about 12 days away. Mm-hmm. And uh, the gap is kind of closing for the Mets. And the Mets really, like, they had such a golden opportunity to run away from the National League East, um, yeah. especially with this Pirate series. And yeah, that's, uh, that's the worst of it all is when you, get, when you get seven games against the worst team in your respective league. And you have a chance to really bury the rest of the division. That's been really pretty bad. I mean, now at this point, you know, with the Acuna injury, I consider the Braves dead. Um, yeah. The Nationals, who knows if they'll figure out, you know, how talented they are. Um, and then and then you have the Phillies and the Marlins. Um, and really out of those two teams, I think if anyone's going to catch the Mets, it's going to be the Phillies um, because they do – you know, they do have some really talented players on that team. I just, you know, when it comes down to it, I think, I do think the Mets bullpen is better. Um, and I think a healthy Mets rotation is definitely better than the Phillies rotation. Um, and if you get someone like Aaron Nola, who's been rather unlucky in his like, you know, sabermetric numbers so far this season, if he can come back and, uh, you know, in the second half, be the Aaron Nola, the ace that he really is, then, you know, there's no reason why the Phillies can't catch them. Yep. I mean, Zach Wheeler, too, is, is I mean, Zach Wheeler at this point is the ace of their rotation. You know, I mm-hmm. know, like, Aaron Nola is probably two at this point, mm-hmm. um, but they're both excellent starters generally. When they're at the top of their games, <clears throat> they're, they're both excellent starters. Um, and, uh, you know, they have some good offensive firepower, too, with Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins and mm-hmm. uh, whoever else. And I'm sure the Phillies are going to add at the deadline, too. Um, they're going to be trying to add. Uh, the Mets are lucky. I mean, yeah, they're, they're a Dave Dombrowski-run team, too, so you know they're going to add. Like, they're going to make a splash. And I think, you know, if there's a front runner in my mind right now to go out and get Chris Bryant and maybe even Craig Kimbrell in a, in a single package, I think it's the Phillies because they could yeah, move they can move some of their old veterans too um you know i could i could see someone like gene segura going back in a deal like that you know totally totally and uh i mean i also saw recently that the nationals are interested in chris bryant too so he's gonna have multiple suitors mm-hmm. uh, after you know, it's beyond just the national league east he's gonna have a lot of a lot of uh, yeah i mean any team any team would want chris bryant that's for sure but the, i mean the mets you know, their offense kind of woke up yesterday, uh, which is Saturday. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have problems beyond just their offense now at this point. You know, there's, they, they desperately need to add a starter or two. You know, mm-hmm. they, they need to add – realistically, they need to add a guy who can eat innings at the back of their rotation. But they also need to add a guy like Jose Barrios, perhaps, Yeah. from, from the Twins, um, someone of his kind of caliber. Um, and then they also need to add – they kind of need to maybe even add a, a reliever at this point and they need to get like a big bat. So it's not going to be an easy task. They, I mean, um, yeah, they have, they have very serious, if they, if they want to be a contending team, they have very serious needs in every phase of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. And in order to accomplish a trade or a series of trades to make this team, give it that sort of like injection of life that it really seems to need right now, it's going to take, you know, some really 
uh, clever negotiation. And as far as like prospect capital goes, the, the Mets are okay in that case. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to give up too much for a rental. Um, I don't know. It's just such a difficult situation to be in right now, especially given all the transactions that the Mets have already had to make this season with the people that they've had to let go of, uh, particularly now the latest, um, you know, victim of that being Billy McKinney. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> I, everyone always says they want to be a GM. I don't want to be a GM, at least not right now. <laughs> no, because if Zach Scott and Sandy Alderson don't make the moves necessary um, for this team or they don't do enough and the Mets miss the playoffs, I mean, they're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys are going to get completely killed. Um, but, I mean, this Mets team right now, like, they, they just really look defeated. I mean, it's really what it comes down to. Like, they don't look – they don't exude that confidence – that they were earlier in the season. And I feel like that kind of has carried over from like the tail end of the first half of the season, Yeah, you know, splitting that series with the pirates, but it just, it, it's kind of been like a slow burn where it feels like that magic that they had earlier this season with the bench mob and the, the, the bullpen being so good and, you know, having DeGrom and uh, Taiwan Walker and Stroman, it just doesn't feel that way anymore. Um, this team feels completely defeated. They, they mm-hmm. feel like they don't have any more firepower left in them. Um, and it kind of, I think that the fan base also feels that the fan base feels that, that defeat, it feels that, that, Oh no, kind of crumbling feeling of here we mm-hmm. go again. Um, and I think as much as the players will probably deny that, that affects them. Like, I, I feel like, you know, these guys are on social media, you know, yeah. Trevor May is active on social media. Stroman, as much as he says that he doesn't want the negativity bother him, and I believe him, he's still reading that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these guys, you know, they know, like they, they know that the fans are disappointed and they feel that, that kind of deflating feeling. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, you know, hopefully it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's always darkest just before the dawn. And we have like a 2015 moment where yesterday was the Justin Upton home run game. And, yeah. you know, then there's going to be a walk off from Jose Peraza who almost gets traded and the trade falls through. And <laughs> he starts crying on the field and stuff. Yeah. He starts, <laughs> he starts crying on the field and then, and then the Mets go on a run, but. Oh, we can only hope. But that, I mean, it's gonna take it's gonna take a move like that. Like, it's it's going to take a move of that caliber to force the hand of the front office to say this is a team that is talented enough to go the distance. So we need to invest in that and make a splash. The problem is, you know, with a guy like Francisco Lindor who's hurt, who, you know, who becomes that sort of centerpiece of the team, because even when he was struggling, Francisco Lindor is very much that character who's like, this is my team and we're, and you know, he's the, he's the lifeblood of, of how things go in the clubhouse, on the field, everything. Um, and with him going down, I think that's definitely been a much bigger factor in this, uh, in this second, you know, con- consecutive pirate series. 
um, you know, with his, especially when he was just getting started offensively uh, with the right sort of guys behind him in the lineup, everyone getting healthy. Um, so you're going to need someone to step up. And I'm really looking squarely at Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto to, you know, shake off whatever BS was holding them down in the first half and really start to pick it up because, you know, this, this offense needs life. The rotation needs life. The bullpen needs some life. Um, I think the bullpen can self correct. I think they're talented enough to do that, but I think a big move needs to be made. And the one that makes the most sense to me is probably Trevor story um, without any sort of plan to extend him. As long as you don't give up someone like JD Davis in the trade, which would, it would be hard to do. Um, but if they can pull off bringing over Trevor story and hanging on to JD Davis, I think that might be the kind of move that could really bring some life to the offense. I think that the Rockies have kind of proved that they're dumb. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's true. I mean, they, they are rather stupid. I mean, they didn't get anything back for Nolan Arenado pretty much at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they got kind of a lackluster package back for, for him. Um, I mean, and, Austin Gomber has been okay. Yeah. But he's just been okay. Yeah, I mean, and he's like the only guy that I even really like think about from that deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's he's the only one that I really even like know about, like off the top of my head from that deal. Um, you know, I'm sure Trevor Story will have a bunch of teams after him. Um, you know, but I, you know, even even if the Mets have to give up someone like Ronnie Mauricio for Trevor yeah. Story, I'd do it. Um, I would do it too. Any day of the week. Um, if he, you know, if they're giving up Mauricio and I think a lot of Mets fans kind of, not that they, they overrate Ronnie Mauricio. Cause I think he's a really good prospect, but I mean, he, it's not like he's like destroying the ball in the mm-hmm. minors. Like, like if you look at his numbers, he's not like, he's not on this insane trajectory. Um, yeah. And at this point, like at one point, like I, like I would have argued, he's probably the best prospect in their system, but. I mean, I think he's probably like three or four now. Brett Beatty, mm-hmm. Brett Beatty has definitely. Um, well, even Mark of, Vientos. Mark Vientos yeah. is playing great as well. Francisco um, Alvarez too, you know. Yeah, um, those are kind of the, I feel like those are the four that are untouchable unless they can, unless it's like a really blockbuster deal that, that makes the Mets better right now. Yeah. Um, like I think that, I think that like, yeah, they might not trade Mauricio at this deadline. I think they could maybe trade him over the winter, but he mm-hmm. could be, you could see him be, get traded depending on who, what deal you're get, you know, what deal he's included in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be very surprised if they traded Brett Beatty. I think at this point, he's probably more regarded uh, than Mauricio. Um, Francisco Alvarez, I think, is probably untouchable. I don't, I don't see him going anywhere. Yeah. Um, he's the best catching prospect in baseball and uh, he's going to be up here before we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong is hurt. Matt Allen is hurt. So I doubt those guys go anywhere. Um, I don't think they so, can be if they're hurt. Can they be? Yeah, I don't know. Hurt? I'm not really sure. I mean, they, they might be able to, but like, I think most teams probably don't do that just because they don't want to trade for an injured product. Yeah. But um, Yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough right now. Like, you know, and every year I kind of 
go into the Mets, and I'm sure most Mets fans do, but you go into the season with this kind of blind optimism and like everything, like you kind of just like, it makes no sense. Cause it's like the year starts and you're just like, you forget all the heartache you've ever experienced <laughs> and kind of have hope yeah. for no real reason. And like, and this point, this, this year, like I kind of bought into it a little bit where like I had people that like, I really respect like their opinions on baseball you know, saying, you know, this Mets team is a 91 team and this and that. And then they started playing like it and, uh, you know, kind of seemed like they were going to kind of cruise into a first place finish. And, uh, you know, now that's not the case anymore. And it's kind of just like, yeah, like, how could I have been so stupid to let them fool me again? <laughs> well, I mean, the adage is, you know, that's why you play the games, obviously. Cause I mean, if, I mean, any, any, like objective observer of baseball would say that the best team in the national league East is still probably the Braves. Like the most complete team is probably the Braves, Uh, but they've just absolutely fallen apart this season. And uh, you know, that's a front office that's going to have to make some probably really hard decisions in the near future um, about guys that they highly rate. Um, And then, you know, you had this Mets team. I mean, exactly like you said, but the whole point, I think, and any, any like baseball person will tell you that like you can't get too high and you can't get too low because at the end of the day, okay, did the Mets lose, you know, four to five out of seven to the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yes. But at the same time, you can still hang, sort of hang your hat on the fact that we took four out of seven, the Mets took four out of seven from, the Padres, um, you know, they continue to win against their own divisional opponents. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, those are the things that certainly someone like Luis Rojas is going to be talking about in his press conferences. Um, you know, it doesn't make the fact that all these losses are really damaging. Um, but, you know, in order to get past it, you sort of have to think in those terms of, okay, well, what are, you know, what can we take out of this series? You know. I think that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to compare like every team, like every Mets team to the 2015 Mets. Like mm. I think a lot of people do that just because that was such a magical season. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's the perfect, it's the perfect example of Mets magic that, that, you know, strikes, you know, every once in a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there is a lot of similarities. I mean, the Mets are, obviously are, are doing better at this point in the season than those 2015 Mets were, but mm-hmm. that was also a division where no one was really running away with the division. You know, it was kind of like, you know, the Mets had such a bad start to that year. Uh, it really the first half of that year. And then they, you know, they came, they were able to hang tough enough to the trade deadline and into July that they were able to make those moves and everything kind of culminated. Um, this time, this time they're kind of just they're gonna just have to like hold their ground in first place and hope that the reinforcements they bring in are good ones, you know, um, you know. But they really need to they really need to trade for a guy that's gonna really inject some life and some hope into this fan base at this point because I feel like everyone feels very deflated and I think that's probably gonna carry on to the, the product on the field. So if you could if you could look into a crystal ball and say, you know, whatever, whatever deals happen, 
as the Mets, I want to get, you know, these three players, a, a, a bat, a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher, you know, who, who are your top three players that you would want to see that are, that are like generally available, you know, that people are talking about at the trade deadline. Totally. Yeah. So I'm going to make a bold prediction anyway. And okay. my bold prediction is going to be that the Mets are going to make a trade within the next 48 hours. So we're recording on that. Sunday. We're recording on Sunday. I think the Mets will have made a trade by Tuesday. It might not be like their blockbuster move, but the Mets will have made some trade in the next 48 hours. So whether that's getting a starter, whether that's getting a reliever, you know, whether that's getting a player to benefit this team, they're going to make a move in the next 48 hours is my prediction. But I'd say that, so I think they need, they need to add two, two starting pitchers probably. And a guy that I like, um, that can eat innings and has shown some, some kind of potential in the, in the past is Merrill, Merrill Kelly on the Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. And he's someone who's not having like a particularly great year. The Diamondbacks suck, um, but he's someone who you could stick in the back of your rotation. He can eat innings and he has shown that he can be a capable major league pitcher. Um, he's not a big sexy name. He's not going to, blow you away at the dish, but he's someone who could be serviceable for them and could give them a little bit of cushion in case anybody else gets hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the obvious name for a starting pitcher is Jose Barrios to most Mets fans. Um, I, and I know he's not having a good year either, but um, Kyle Hendricks is a guy that I have always loved um, as, you know, as a starting pitcher. Um, If you get, the thing is, though, you know, if you trade for just Kyle Hendricks and Merrill Kelly, you know, it's not you're not getting that ace that you probably need. Um, but Hendricks I don't does. Know. Have- I don't know if I don't know if the Mets need an ace. I think they need a three. Th- I think they. I think you're right. I think they probably could use two. But I think they could use two, three through five guys because you have you have your ace, Jacob Degrom, who, you know, barring any setback, is going to miss his next two starts and hopefully come back. Um, and then I think any of Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco and Marcus Stroman can be that ace. And they have been for stretches of their careers. So, um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think you make a good point. Um, you know, so for me, it's, you know, I'd say that my ideal deadline would be, Merrill Kelly, and then getting a package of Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs. And then a reliever is so hard to predict because, yeah, I mean, they're so volatile to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to circle back on that one. I'm going to let you go at this point. Yeah, I'm no, going to let fair. you go. That's fair. I think, I think one, one reliever that I think they – that the Mets should target would be uh, Craig Kimbrell. And if you could package that in with either one of Chris Bryant or Kyle Hendricks, I think that would be great. Um, But that might be a tough trade to pull off, especially because the Mets pitching prospect capital um, is not exactly great. So that, that would be tough to pull off, especially to get two pitchers. Um, 
but if they could if they could somehow pull that off that would be great um a sort of dark horse deal that i think would really make sense for the mets would be a deal with the rockies wherein they get trevor story and john gray um for some package of probably i would think like ronnie mauricio um among others so i think I think if the Mets ultimately end up with Kimbrel, Story, and Gray, I think that would be my ideal deadline. That'd be great. Um, I mean, I think that's that'd be more than any Mets fan could ask for. You know, you're you're really filling three needs with three really good players. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, so this is, I think that, so this isn't really like a trade, but Syndergaard's going to come back. Yeah. around September 1st. And I think the Mets should just use him out of the bullpen when he comes yeah. back this year. Um, so if they're, the thing is that the Mets bullpen right now just really needs – like we need different guys to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Drew Smith is a guy that I like, and I know that he's had like some, some slight issues recently. Yeah. He's a guy that I like, and I think that they're going to have to lean on him a little bit more. Um, Seth Lugo – you know, I don't think is going to have many five run, you know, meltdowns like he did on Saturday. No. Yeah. Um, it was an anomaly. And this, uh, they said on the broadcast it was only the second, uh, the second, only the second time he'd ever given up five runs as a reliever in his career. Yep. Um, and the first was like the first year that he was being used as a reliever. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, Trevor May is going to have to step up a little bit too. Um, you know, Familia has been pretty good, but yeah, I'd be more than happy with, with the deadline of, of, of what you said. I mean, Kimbrell, mm-hmm. um, Story, and John Gray would be great. Um, and then on my end, if they got Hendricks, Bryant, and Merrill Kelly, I'd be okay with that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it should be an interesting week, week and a half of, of leading up to the deadline. I, We'll stick with that prediction. I think the Mets are going to make a move in the next 48 hours. I think that's going to happen. Um, I think that you have to think Zach Scott and Sandy Alderson are looking at the at the at what's going on right now. And I'm sure Steve Cohen too. And they're mm-hmm. thinking, you know, we we need to make a deal. Like we we, you know, we're about to get swept by the pirates. And you know, we're we're coming back with our tails between our legs, and we need to we need to make some moves. Yeah. Uh, but I also wanted to just mention really quick to anybody listening, me and Mike have decided that we are going to be switching to two podcasts a week. Um, each going to be each are going to be 30 minutes instead of one hour, hour, 10 uh, long episode. Um, you know, so our, for our first podcast of the week, uh, we're really going to be just talking about the state of the Mets, kind of what's going on in Mets land. And then, uh, later on in the week, we're going to reminisce about um, some good old times in Mets land, Mets legends lore. So that'll be uh, that'll be the format we'll be using going forward. So look out for our podcast Mondays and uh, Mondays and Thursdays or Mondays and Fridays. Yeah, uh, really kind of a bummer that our first state of the Mets pod is uh, pretty doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it always invokes uh, it always invokes some some heartfelt and and real candid kind of, uh, kind of thoughts. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
things will get better or they won't <laughs> and we'll deal with it accordingly like we always do as Mets fans so um, but we'll catch you guys later on this week I'm Rob Pearsall this is Michael Jennings uh, give us a follow follow on Twitter at Mets Legends and uh, I can be found RT Pearsall on Twitter Mike J is Mr. Jennings 7 that's MR Jennings 7 and we'll catch you guys later on this week Here's hoping Billy McKinney clears waivers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) See you next time.